So, uh, here we have a Minoski script with a last-minute rewrite by Echeverria because the man doesn't have enough work to work on. This is actually a two-year-old story. No, seriously, this is posited all the way back in season five. They torpedoed it because they thought it was a dumb idea. I have a quote here from Ronald D. Moore, which I wrote down, and I quote, I think it was at this point when we were in the room we were talking about bringing Jordy's mother in, and we all kind of looked at each other and were like, this is sad. This is the best we can do. This is the best we can do. Jordy's mother. It was such a who cares idea. We were just sort of, oh man, this show's got to end. So this goes into everything I've already been talking about season seven. They just had no idea where they're going and nothing and everything, and I actually kind of like this episode. <laughs> I didn't expect to. It's not very memorable. It's not great. But for once, it's not stupid, and it's moderately enjoyable. I think a lot of the episode for me is, is, is bolstered by the idea of the probe interface itself, which I'll talk about last. So, <laughs> you remember all the way back in, oh god, what was that, season three, I think? No, I might have been season two. LeVar Burton was pushing for the visor to be removed, like for him to, have, to grow new eyes, and I talked about that all the way back there. And they actually did a couple of things to kind of hint at that they were going in that direction so that they would have a story explanation for it if they decided to do it. Because he is very expressive with his face, and he wanted to do more acting with his eyes. Okay, that all makes sense to me. They never did that. So here we are, season seven, and he finally gets to actually act with his face, holy, or at least with his eyes. That alone means this idea probably should have been done a few years ago, in my honest opinion. Let me go ahead and mention something here real quick. One of the problems, I think, with Star Trek in general, is the writers tend to think of ideas as one-offs. Okay, here's a race of people who can only communicate via uh, metaphor, and they're done. Never mentioned again. Okay, here's a probe that allows you to interact with it directly, so you've got a representation of yourself on the thing, but you're actually here controlling it remotely, and it's gone. Um, okay, uh, you know, data, dreams, it, you get the idea. For the most part, they just do this a lot. Voyager had this problem, too. This is the kind of thing I think is a... Well, I'm getting off topic again. Screw it, I'm just going to talk about our events. I think this is a very cool idea. I think they could have implemented this years ago and used this going forward. Let me, let me rewind a second. Why does the view screen exist? It was done as a, a, a cost-saving effect. It's the same reason the transporter was actually invented. But in both cases, these are tools that can then be used in new and unique ways because now you have a method, a format, which is different from the norm. And now you can think about how it works or why it works or what you can do with it. Uh, let me use my actual personal favorite example of this, the mobile emitter. As soon as they introduced the mobile emitter, which was one of the best ideas Voyager ever had, to the Doctor, all of a sudden there was so much more they could do with him. And they did a lot of good work with the mobile emitter over on Voyager. This isn't quite the same thing, but it's actually in the same direction. It frees up actors to be able to play roles they wouldn't normally do. Now, on one hand, this would actually lower the special effects problem, too, because they could just, rather than showing a probe going through this super dangerous environment, it's just the actor who's walking through as if it's normal, like, yeah, okay, what? And, of course, in this case, they could have LeVar Burton showing his eyes, since he would be the logical person to do this. On the other hand, this would probably increase the special effects budget in certain cases. For example, there's a scene in this episode, it's very short, where he reaches through flame and activates the flame suppressant. 
Now that makes sense because the probe is just interacting with things with you know with tractor beams and whatnot. So it's not bothered by the flames. He mentions at one point it's two thousand degrees and he's just fine. Yeah, that makes sense. So there would be a little bit of a special effects budget requirement, kind of like with the transporter. But I still think there's a lot of potential with this as a way to get one of your crew members onto a hostile and dangerous location. In fact, you could do this in places where otherwise they wouldn't even be possible to go to locations of actual vacuum without the big cumbersome suit, for example. There's a lot of possibilities that this unlocks. Nope, it'll never be mentioned again. It's a damn shame, because I think there's, there's some really great stuff you can do with visual trickery here as well. Just to show off, just to make it neat. They do several things in this episode. The 2000 degree thing, the reaching through the fire thing. He looks at his reflection, and it's the probe. Little stuff like that. You could do little nuances like that, just to kind of add to it. There's a, even a tiny bit where he says, increase the power of the tractor beam so he can lift this heavy metal beam and throw it aside, right? You could do stuff like that. Anyways, it's a cool idea. Also, if I could be so bold, you could probably accomplish this same type of interface if you just ran this through the holodeck. I mean, they all talk about how it's beamed directly into Geordi's brain, and sure, that's probably going to be very efficient, but you could probably do this for anyone else if you set up a proper interface on the holodeck. So, while they're, so basically, the holodeck is projecting what the probe is sending. So they're walking through it, and as they're doing it, it just becomes the interface. I mean, this is such a duh thing to me, but then again, I work with video games on a regular basis. But think about it, right? A lot of potential there. What do you guys think? Here's a challenge, okay? I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to sit and think. If you can come up with at least one cool idea that you think you could use this probe interface thing for, for another story thing. Either as a main thrust, or just like part of another story. Like, some way it's relevant to another story. Kind of like the mobile emitter, because every episode with the mobile emitter isn't all about the mobile emitter. It's just the doctor can go someplace he can't normally go, or it's being stolen, or it's being repurposed, or whatever. Leonardo da Vinci, etc. Right? I'm very curious to hear what you guys come up with, really. So, they really call off the search on the Hera fast, don't they? My God. Like, think about that for a second. It's been gone for six days. You know how long the Enterprise was gone during cause and effect? 17.4, I looked it up. So, did they just say that the Enterprise was missing and declared them dead and did funerals? Oh, they're here. In fact, actually, if you think about all the crap the Enterprise has been through, this is the kind of thing that probably should have happened many times. <laughs> oh, no, the Enterprise is lost. Nope, they're back. Oh, they've been lost. Nope, they're back. Six days. Really? So... Then a scene, there's two scenes that happens that I don't like. One is Riker and Geordi, where Riker uh, is like, hey, you don't have to do this, I can totally do it for you. And Geordi's like, no, I can do it, I'm the best job, person for the job. It's a dumb scene, if I could just be completely blunt. It doesn't feel in character for either character. Then there's a scene where Geordi goes to meet Data, and Data acts like he's season two Data, where he doesn't understand subtlety or nuance and has no idea how to interact with Jordy, someone who is his friend and he understands very well how to do these kind of human interactions. I'm going to mention something here while we're on the topic. I gave that little anecdote about Spiner and Stewart both saying, uh. Well, there was a related anecdote where Spiner mentioned multiple times that he just didn't have a handle on his character anymore, that he didn't know how to play Data anymore. Now, he actually mentions this twice because I've already brought this up, because it came up in the movies. 
because they gave him the emotion ship, and he just didn't know how to deal with that. But it also came up here in Season 7. And again, he just didn't know how to deal with his character. I feel at least part of that is because the writers didn't either. They really weren't sure how to write him anymore. I'm not sure why. You think you've been writing someone for years, you kind of get used to it. But no, they just feel legitimately out of character. In fact, most people in this episode do. This is where the episode kind of flounders. Which brings me to the next part. Um, so the episode introduces the mystery element of the alien that interacts with you know the, the mother, right? Uh, this is probably, I'd say, the second weakest part of the episode. Because it's one of those convenient mysteries where there's no proof whatsoever that there's a mystery. But there is a mystery. And, oh, oh, later on we'll find out it's actually totally true and we'll be vindicated. But where the hell was the proof at the beginning? You can't tell me nothing indicates nothing about any of this happening. We find out at the end these things in, d interface directly with someone's mind. Okay. First of all, you have an empath on board. But second of all, you can scan for that sort of stuff. This has been established. Why can't they tell any of this? This is also ignoring the fact that they are using the interface directly, and apparently there's no information going through the interface to indicate that he was talking to anyone at all. This is in addition to the fact that, you know what, whatever. That all irritates me. But that's not the worst part. That's the second worst. There's this fake mystery, and that irritates me, because one of the things I've talked in favor of many times in TNG, specifically, is when they have a mystery, but solving the mystery isn't the point. Right? Timescape. The, the mystery there... Well, actually, that's a bad example. What was the, what was the, there was an episode I talked about recently. Oh, gosh, what was it? I don't remember. It was, it was a recent episode, and I was like, oh, man, there's this really great thing, and the whole... The question isn't, you know, what is happening. The question is why it's happening. And I don't remember which episode that was. It might have been Frame of Mind, I think, actually. I could be wrong about that. <sighs> Whatever. It's something I've talked about before. I, I can think of another example of that, Clues. I can think of that one off the top of my head. And TNG, in my opinion, does mysteries best when either the characters unveil it as we do, Timescape, or the why isn't the mystery. It, or the, the what isn't the mystery. It's the why or the where or the how for, Right? like clues and like the episode I can't think of that I just covered. I'm sorry, I'm pretty scatterbrained right now. Please forgive me. But the point is, this is a straight mystery. What's happening? So that's weak, just to begin with. Then there's the fact that there's no real mystery in any strict sense of the word, especially since in character it actually makes less sense. I'll get to that in a second. But then it leads to something that legitimately pisses me off. Now, I did enjoy this episode, in spite of itself. But... <sighs> There's a concept called the Cassandra Truth, which I hate. It is one of my it's one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to fiction. For those of you not aware of it, it's when someone says something and no one believes them. Now that irritates me on so many levels, but in something like this, it irritates me in, on an additional, an aggregate level. And the reason why is because this is Jordy LaForge. They know him. They've known him for years. They are good friends with him. Nobody believes him. Why? You remember I pointed out, just to go back to Timescape, this is probably why my mind was on Timescape. Back in Timescape, Troy says, oh my god, Jordy just froze in time for a minute. Everyone believes her. They don't think she's crazy. They don't think she's making it up. They don't think the stress is getting to her. Or, you are just having a fantasy because you can't accept the loss of... No, they say, oh my gosh, we should figure out what happens. And they do their due diligence to figure out what the hell's going on. And they believe her. Of course they do. They've known each other for a six-plus years. Here, they all act like Jordy's crazy right off the bat. 
No one believes him for a millisecond. Why? This is aggravating. Did I mention this is a two-year-old script that was, that was actually posited even before that? That's important because even in season five, I couldn't really buy this. But again, this just feels season two-y to me. The way the characters are acting. That being said, Echeverria really is being stressed. And Joe Minoski is, is churning out scripts. And I understand that. I don't want to sound too harsh here. But this is bullcrap. <laughs> There's even a bit where LaForge describes the scenario he thinks happened. You know, I've been putting some thought into this. We have seen, uh, I'm going to say, at least two dozen things that are less likely than the scenario Jordy posits in this episode. He does actually give a full explanation, which makes sense, which isn't even that technobabbly, that could fully explain why this is happening this way. Data then says, nope, virtually impossible. Really? <laughs> the aforementioned clues is actually less possible than what, I, what, the, what Jordy describes here. <sighs> There's one scene I really like. Really like. Riker comes down to engineering and just reaches out to Jordy. He talks about how it took him a while to accept the death of his mother. How he cried all night. Wait, that's not very Roddenberry, is it? Anyways, and how it was something that it, he just started to convince himself, maybe she'll come back, and it was his father and his teacher who convinced him that he needed to accept and understand this. And Frakes does a good job with it. And it's very human, and it's just him opening up to Jordy to kind of show Jordy that he's not alone in this. Jordy then responds in a way that's kind of logical and sense-making. I don't have a body. I don't have something to say goodbye to. I don't have a finality here. And that is one of the worst kinds of losses. <laughs> I think about that every now and again. There are certain circumstances where if I just kind of... Nobody would know. I don't, I don't exactly have regular contact with people at this point in my life. No one would be aware of it. These videos are recorded months in advance. You guys would... If I died, uh, let's say two weeks from now, you guys would get videos for over a year after that. Nobody would notice. Nobody would know. <laughs> I'd just be gone. It's one, and people have had to deal with that kind of crap. It's one of the worst kinds of, of death to try and go over when you have nothing to mourn, just an idea, right? Now, <laughs> that scene works really well for me. It's the only scene where the characters are acting like they're from season seven. And it was done weeks later. No, seriously. They had, they, had, they had done the filming for the rest of the episode, and they were in such a crunched schedule that they came up short, but they'd already done filming for multiple episodes after the fact. Jerry Taylor then came back in, wrote that scene, and they filmed that scene to toss it back into this episode. So, I've, get, I've thrown some flack at Jerry Taylor over the years, mostly over on Voyager. Let it never be said that the woman does not at least have at least a finger on the pulse of how to do character stuff like this. <laughs> anyway, so they go, and they save her, and this is what I want to talk about, the deception thing, the mystery thing. Turns out they're actually aliens. Okay, okay, that, that sucks. Um, this deception that they're putting Geordi through actually hurts their cause 
twice. First, if they had just come to Jordy and said, hey, we're aliens, we're trapped in this ship, can we get the ship lowered, please? Jordy could have gone to Picard and said, hey, there's aliens, and they say they're trapped on the ship, and then Picard would be like, oh, okay. I would have been more likely to believe him than, my dead mom is communicating to me on my ship after I just found out she died. A lot more believable and a lot less likely for them to be like, oh, he's just crazy. Then it interrupts them a second time because Jordy says it's okay. Being the engineer that he is, he has come up with a plan to save the ship. Not the aliens trapped on this ship, the Ramon or whatever. The Hera, which he thinks is down there. These two plans are incongruent. So, second time her deception completely screws them over. Good job. And this is part of why I say the mystery is weak and doesn't really help the episode. Because it's just there for the Cassandra truth, which is the worst part of the episode. Oh no, he can't get over it. God's sakes, you realize you could still have the same character drama? You could. It's an alien. The alien admits to being the alien. The alien takes the appearance of his mother. Because his mind, this is, Crusher even says this early on, the mind translates stuff into something it can understand. And now Geordi is seeing someone who acts and sounds and talks, well, sounds and looks like his mother, right after he got news that she's dead because she's on his mind. And now we have the main character focus of Geordi freaking out over this. And, and if you really want to push it, maybe Geordi pushes further than he should to help these people, but I don't even think that's necessary. The whole, this will be part of your permanent record thing, that's stupid. Just eject that. We're in season seven. We don't need that crap. Thank you. No. Just make this a human episode. Jordy helps some random aliens, and we get this new tech of this awesome probe thing, and Jordy coming to grip with the fact that his mother is missing. Now, I say missing. Funnily enough, STO says that she died. Uh, one of the books says that they lived. The episode says nothing. The fate of the Hera is never unveiled in the episode. I thought that was cute. Anyways, that's it. Ah. <sighs> Season 7. God, it, it really does feel like I'm talking about Voyager again. Missed potential. <sighs> Being buoyed by character moments. I hope you've enjoyed, guys. <laughs> Maybe I should redo the Voyager ruminations. I'll see you next time.